Hello everyone and welcome back to Upfront with Jane. I'm delighted today to be joined by Diane Wiradu, who is a messaging strategist and conversion copywriter and also founder of LineWords. She helps B2B companies simplify their message, attract more perfect fit customers and get better results from their marketing. With a focus on customer research and brand strategy, she blends the art of storytelling with conversation focused techniques to help her clients stand out from the crowd. She claims to be fluent in four languages, which I'll be finding out more about. And when she's not interviewing founders and customers or writing high conversion copy, you'll probably find her with a pair of dumbbells <laughs> and a glass of wine, but not together. <laughs> so without further ado, welcome aboard, Diane. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Jane. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, it's an absolute pleasure. Um, let's start things off then. Four languages. I struggle with English. Can you expand on that? <laughs> So I should say English is definitely one of those. You have to use your native <laughs> language. So I, I say four-ish. I, I used to say like four and a half um, because I don't get full credit for five. So um, yeah, my background's in languages. So I actually studied languages at university. Um, so I speak Spanish, Italian, um, Catalan, and then English. Those are the solid. And then the half is French. So my partner is French and uh his family won't let me have that one because I'm not quite there yet <laughs> oh that's amazing and if, so what age did you start learning is, have different languages been with you since you were young has that been part of growing up so no so for me it was just realizing that I had a real passion for languages at school mm. so you know for UK listeners I think you know I started learning year seven year eight so what Thanks. age 11 age 12 at school um and yeah my school we you know we did French we did Spanish and I just I loved it and just I think I, I knew pretty much from then that I wanted to do something that was related to language using words um and so yeah it's it's gone it was you know it started at a very young age basically and then I've just taken it to the to the extreme with the work that I do now and how do you keep keep that up because a big part of language is the culture as well um and I think Having, I grew up, I spent a period of time in Egypt when I was growing up and I found learning Arabic so much easier than when I came to learn French because I was absorbed mm -hmm. in that culture. Do you actively still keep learning languages then? Is that? Yeah, so I mean, for me, I I left the UK at like my, early, my earliest available opportunity. So I'm not based in the UK and I haven't been for many years. So I lived, uh, I was based out of Spain for about five years and then uh, the past couple of years have been a bit strange, the kind of pandemic year. So I've been in different areas. Um, but yeah, I, I've always wanted to um, live in a country where I'm speaking a different language. So I've lived in Spain, I've lived in Italy, I've lived in France, I've lived in Portugal. Um, yeah, I think that if you have that full immersion, it's obviously a lot easier to Absolutely. keep your skills sharp. And do you think having that um, understanding of different languages influences the work that you do? Is the majority of the work that you do in English? Yeah. Oh, completely. Definitely. I mean, I always say like my journey into marketing, I still find it quite weird that I'm in marketing, to be honest. <laughs> but, <laughs> <I will. laughs> uh, my journey into, you know, copywriting and marketing was quite, quite a linear one, you know, so background in languages, I worked in the translation industry for a number of years for most of my career, actually. So uh, in different roles from uh, a project manager, I managed a uh, uh, dubbing recording studio I was also a translator myself and then I kind of moved into copywriting um, and I think you know I've always had quite an analytical eye for 
language and I think that language is both an art and a science mm. right because you know there is this element of creativity and storytelling um but it's also quite a strategic thing and it's very impactful I've always felt that you know messaging was a really powerful tool to make meaningful connections with people mm. um and you know one of the things I always say is that like I think one of the reasons I wanted to speak so many languages is like so that I could speak to like the whole world <laughs> like I'm a very chatty person and it just really does kind of open your horizons yeah no it's so so powerful and I think when you're the one who's um trying to gain interest from somebody or you're the one that's got something to sell and you've got that other language you can adapt to their language it's just massive massively powerful it's amazing um so just taking back a bit you mentioned about when you uh you got into languages from 11 what's your what's your career path been and how have you um have you got to where you are yeah so like i mentioned it was it was quite it was quite a linear one i always thought i wanted to um work in the translation industry so all of my academic life and the beginning of my uh work life followed a very kind of linear path i worked in the translation industry became a translator then um I'm a classic case of pandemic pivot. <laughs> so I actually lost um, all of my clients at the beginning of the pandemic because I was working with um, a lot of clients in the hospitality industry, in the fashion industry. So not really essentials for, you know, a global crisis. Um, and I lost a lot of the work at that point. And I already knew that I wanted to kind of move into copy and, and messaging and work a bit closer with clients. And so I kind of just made, I just made the leap. I made a shift. Yeah. I thought, you know, I've got all of these skills. I've been working with marketing texts for a very long time. Um, and I thought instead of, you know, translating them from one language to the other, what I'm kind of doing now is translating uh, buzzwords and jargon and like corporate speak and like translating founders' ideas in their heads that they can't get out of their heads. And I do that now and, and translate that into, you know, effective messaging. Um, so, yeah, it was quite it was quite a linear journey. Um, um, there have been a few shifts along the way, like most um, business owners and self-employed people, you kind of realize which parts of the business you love, which parts kind of drain you. And so it's been a quite a constant evolution to kind of where I am now, which is purely focused on messaging strategy. So not just, you know, the words that are on your website, but really taking a, a step back before that and mm. working with clients to really get clarity across their whole messaging so that they can um, get really clear on their positioning, how they talk about what they do, so that they can really connect better with their customers. So that's the kind of where I sit now. Why do you think people have such a block when it comes to their own copy? Because where you've just said, try to get what they've got in their head and make it work. I mean, I do it myself. I can look at clients' copy and think that's perfect or that works, that doesn't work. You don't want to refer to it like that. But when it comes to writing about your own business, mm -hmm. um, why is it so hard? And is that a common theme? It is. <laughs> It is. Whoever's listening, you, you feel like it's hard. You're normal. You're okay. <laughs> this is a space. I find it hard myself. Mm -hmm. And this is my whole uh, career. It's what I spend my days doing. So it's very normal. So I've, I've named this kind of syndrome, right, as uh, I call it the founder funk. And I oh, think yeah. every, everyone I speak I to, if they have trouble with their, their own business, just articulating what it is that they do in that in a way that really connects to the customers. They say, there's a million ways that I can say this, but I know our product inside out. Let's say you're a tech company or you're a service. I know what we do, but you just really struggle to put the words on the page. That's the founder funk. Yeah. And you get into that because you are so close. You are so close. You know everything. You can't unknow, 
right? And so it's like you, but you know everything inside out. Um, it's like when you're inside the jar, you can't see the label on the outside. And so yeah. what I do is, as an external eye, is I come in and it, I can see it very clearly because I'm not stuck in the weeds and I don't know everything um, like you do. And so it's very normal. And sometimes it's hard, you know, people, you have to have the skill to take a step back. And yeah. if not, then that's why you kind of bring someone else in to help Absolutely. you. Kind of yeah. I think what I find is um, you either feel that people want to say everything and tell them how to do the job and almost here's everything we do. And if I don't say it, people won't know that we do this, this and this, whereas it's actually, they don't care. They just want to know how you're going to help them. Or you get to the point where you think, okay, I'll try and strip it back. And then it's like, okay, now you've stripped it back so much. I have no idea what you do. <laughs> yeah, getting that balance right is is really hard. Um, it's really hard because as well, messaging and copy is not about you mm. at all. Yeah, and it's really hard to realize that and think that, you know, copy has a function. Um and, you know, like I say, it, it's not, I don't really feel like it's a very creative discipline. Like this is really a strategic mm. tool. Uh, yeah. Your copy and your messaging is a sales tool. It's when people interact with it, they need to know X, Y, Z. Um, and you want to kind of be, be able to push them along that customer journey so that they buy from you. Um, and so, yeah, it, it is quite, um, it's quite a technical thing because you, you need to know what to leave in, what to take out and your yeah. customers are the ones that, that tell you, not you. And what do they care about? It's not about you. And are there any particular phrases? I know I've got a few that you sort of see that um, are like almost default that people go to that really great on you that you think just don't use those words. Ooh, so many. All right. Where do we, <laughs> <laughs> where do we begin? Top three. Top three. <laughs> Put you on the I'm spot. Not sure, I'm not sure about like phrases that come to mind, but so because I work with you know in the B2B space, um, and I work with a lot of um tech companies, yeah, uh, digital service companies there is a lot of just jargon and buzzwords and not even buzzword, just sort of empty words, right? And people default to stuff like something X made easy, mm. banking made easy, mm. email made easy, mm. um, which is fine as kind of like a placeholder, have it up there, but then keep thinking because that's not what you want to end on. Yeah. Uh, because what does that mean? It, it's it's like companies feel like these phrases are telling their customers something like, well, they're going to know we're easy. But my definition of easy isn't someone else's. And mm -hmm. is that actually their priority? So I find kind of I, I think lazy copy actually grates on me more um, than the kind of buzzword stuff. And then, you know, yeah. like solutions, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I could go on, but I'll pause. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things here that I I feel me about and I know other people on the podcast probably similar is um when you overly talk about how proud you are about things which is great you should be proud yeah. of what you do but we pride ourselves on that's one thing that I always say we are not allowed to say that for us or our clients <laughs> yes yeah that's a classic one across the kind of particularly on social and PR isn't it just like yeah post with we are and it's like no one cares get to the point how does yeah. that help me because yeah. customers are selfish, right? They just want to know. They want to yeah. know what's in it for them. Yeah. <laughs> or an interesting story, or what does it mean for me? Otherwise, yeah, move, scroll past it. <laughs> move on. Move on. We're not having any of it. So, would you say? I'd imagine were you quite academic in school then? So I was. Yeah, actually, I was. I was. I was quite a high achiever. I was, mm. um, and I think that's because I, I, I kind of enjoyed school. I think yeah. I, I don't remember not enjoying it. So I'm going to say that I did. 
Um, and also just my, that kind of my family was quite academic. So, um, you know, my, my dad went on into further education. My mum continued on to further education. And so really that was the kind of a mantra that I grew up around, which was like education, education, education is everything. My mum used to be a teacher. My dad had done his master's and also worked in kind of education in the council. And um, so, yeah, that was kind of my childhood. There was no, there was no option not to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, moving on into work, it was like, okay, well, how do I, how do I translate that? Cause I was great at school, but the stuff that you need to be great at, at school and at university and all that is not quite the same as in work. So I feel like I've been a bit of a kind of late bloomer in business. Um, but yeah, I, I, I loved, I loved school actually. That's good. Good. Cause actually I think there's a lot of talk about people saying, yeah, school wasn't for me, but actually that's giving you the skills and the foundation. And then there's a lot yeah, of and I, and I, and I, I really do. I kind of really do strongly believe that, you know, higher education isn't for everyone and it doesn't need to be. And it's not a prerequisite for many things. But the interesting thing is where I wanted to take my career originally, it was. So it was like I needed to go and get that master's to go and do what I thought I wanted to do. It just so happens that like five years later, I decided I didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd imagine you're quite obviously putting things in perspective but in some respects you've taken the positives from uh, the pandemic and actually it's probably made you make a shift a lot more rapid and actually just go ahead and do it with no distractions than it would have been perhaps it might have taken you a lot longer to get to where you are had you not have reacted to the situation you were in yeah I do think so I think that um you know I was also I was I was quite lucky I think I was in a situation where I had a lot of support around me um and I was able to make a leap in a moment where maybe others weren't and I'm very much aware of that so you know I don't have children um don't have dependents I didn't have a crazy amount of you know expenses um and so that moment of kind of immediate despair of like right I've lost all my clients what am I going to do I did manage to flip it but I'm aware that I managed to turn that around because I didn't have all of these other kind of drains on me um so yeah it worked for me and I you know I also am able to put in more hours than other people might be Mm -hmm. able to at the the start of growing a business which I think people don't kind of talk about you know that kind of hustle life which gets demonized I don't think it's something it's a place where people should stay in for very long but I did like I did put in a lot of hours at the beginning of, of kind of growing my business and now I'm trying to like step away from that yeah absolutely and I agree with that because I think anyone can work you know 24 hours a day but is that the most rewarding work that you're doing and how do you I think by being disciplined it helps you prioritize which projects you really want to be exactly. working on which clients you really want to be working with and without that break you don't have that clarity so sensible that you're adapting that early on um, and what would you say that you're doing then as part of where you've got to that most excites you what is it about your role that you get most excited about oh there's so many parts about it really so I think one thing is I get to I get to work with brilliant people. I get to work with because I work directly with founders, CMOs, marketing teams. Like these are like wicked smart people who have built things that I could never build, right? And I get to kind of come in and help them in one particular area that is not their forte. So they've gone in and solved this huge problem, but when it comes to messaging, that's just something that they struggle with. Often people are a bit more technical minded or they they don't have the skills kind of in house. And so I love coming in and just kind of filling that hole. Um, yeah. I also love what a big part of my job is listening. <laughs> it's like getting on calls um, and listening to people and kind of listening out for patterns, listening out for opportunities and things that, you know, they might have said and not realized like that's the key. 
Um, and so I love that as well. So it's, it's been kind of hands-on um, with people. That's the part of, of my work that I guess I, I love the most. Good skill listening, a skill that not everyone's got. And I think it's beyond that, isn't it? And I'd imagine you've probably learned to adapt your, because you're almost trying to extract information that they perhaps aren't sharing with you. So do you feel that you've almost got better at being the kind of interviewer, if you like, knowing what questions to ask, what information matters? Because I'd imagine 90% of what you told, you're thinking that's great, but I'm not, that's not going to be the headline or that's not going to form the basis of what we need here. Yeah, it's a skill I've had to work on and develop because I'm used to being the person who's talks a lot (laughs) and listening you have to shut up and I like doing both of those so it's getting the right balance you know I I use um an automated uh recording and transcription tool with all my calls so calls with founders when I do customer interviews which is a big part of my work as well and it's funny because at the end um at the end of the call I hop in there to kind of pick out different quotations and I can see the ratio of who's spoken during the calls so I can see um, how much time I was speaking versus how much the time the other person was speaking. And I always look at that as like a gauge or a marker. And when I do customer interviews, I want to see that I was speaking 20%, mm. 20, 25, and the other person seven, like 75, you know, up to around 80. Um, and that's when I know I'm doing like a good job because I'm asking a question and then just letting the other person speak and, mm kind of picking into it but yeah it's, it's something I've had to work on yeah <laughs> everyone can get better yeah yeah I think you're absolutely right and sometimes I think it's just giving people that little bit of extra time as well because I do it as well or if I think someone's struggling I, I almost like think I could help them answer this whereas actually just leave them <laughs> and you'll get the information you need yeah like uh, jump in save them yeah. <laughs> no <laughs> I don't imagine you get such um it must be so rewarding when it's come together and you can see your content when it's in the design format or when the client reads it and they think oh my god how to do this it's almost like magic to them isn't it really yeah and you know what's so you know what's funny I just want to pick on something there right at the beginning of my journey I thought that was the magic moment and I do like feedback right Mm -hmm. everyone who doesn't who doesn't like getting a gold star yeah I do love delivering copy a messaging strategy and my clients saying wow this is exactly what I was thinking however as I've moved on and kind of developed in my kind of journey I understand that's just that's not the end point what Mm. I want is to hear that your conversions have gone up that uh, you're getting more leads that the leads that are coming on the phone uh, that are you know hopping on uh, intro calls with you are repeating and mirroring back the messaging that we put out there so really that first part is great but I always say that the customer is the judge and not my client. And I often say, I don't deliver stuff that you like. I deliver stuff that works. And so I've, I've kind of shifted, you know, over the years and said, okay, that's great. Someone loves what I delivered, but let's talk when I bring you some results. So yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. And it's not doing what the client asks of you. Yeah. Is it always, it's what you think they need and they can be two different things and actually having yeah. that but having that confidence and that's something that comes with time again I think people that's how you earn respect as well isn't it from clients by um otherwise do it yourself you know if they, yeah. if they know what they want it's like okay well this is how you've done it for the last few years this is my take and and I think sometimes just having that external pair of eyes ears can be so well crucial really isn't it because like you say you're just way too close for it yourself so aside from work, 
copy languages. <laughs> um, what? How do you relax? What do you do out of work? What's keeping you sane? <laughs> so my my two big passions are probably on the opposite ends of the spectrum. One is lifting heavy weights. <laughs> so I do I do a lot of CrossFit. Um, every morning I start my day with a workout and like a very kind of high intensity lifting, throwing weights, running around, all that kind of stuff. And I what love that. What kind of weights um, are you lifting? <laughs> so I do, so I mean, I do Olympic lifting. So yeah. oh. uh, if anyone knows, like clean and jerk, snatch, yeah. all those kind of movements. I do power lifting and then I do kind of quite sort of functional fitness right yeah. so if anyone doesn't know crossfit there's just all the movements workouts you could be doing jumping running rowing all that kind of stuff and then on the opposite end of the spectrum i relax also at the end of the day by kicking back with a glass of wine like <laughs> that's my that's my go-to so starting really high energy um and yeah but there's nothing i love more than just going to a rooftop or sitting out in a square and just having a glass of wine and a few nibbles that's how I kind of relax so every morning you go to the gym so for you to miss a day or to miss a couple of days I'd imagine you feel really out of routine most so most days I do take a couple of days of rest because otherwise yeah. I think my body like sometimes it feels like it's screaming at me so I definitely need to take a day so tomorrow I'll probably have off and then I'll head back in like on the weekend um, but most I'd say five out of seven I like that's to brilliant. I like to go and then I take two days off yeah and, and those could be days where I'll sorry sorry I'd imagine you notice the difference in clarity and thinking and um just general energy on the days you've been yeah I mean it's funny because I feel like exercise for me now is just so ingrained that it's a habit yeah so it's right I get up and I go like I I have to go at some point today because it's just it's just like you know the same way I have breakfast lunch and dinner at some point there's going to be a workout so what time is it you know sometimes you'll have your lunch late because you're busy but you'll always have lunch right so it just feels like that to me it's just a part of where I need to move and I do think you know my work I notice is very sedentary you know like I am sat down for hours all day um, and so I think I, I need that movement I need that release of energy um, I don't think it's I know a lot of people use exercise to really kind of clear their head for me it's not mm. I don't clear my head because I'm so focused on the workout I'm just not thinking about anything else mm. um, but yeah it just I just think you know particularly where we work online and like in marketing yeah. it's just your computers your screens all day and I need to have a moment where there's none of that yeah, no, totally agree. And I think actually we're not designed to be sat down all day, are we? And I think, yeah, no, <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's frightening how, you know, little exercise um, is part of certain people's lives. And actually the fact that you've got it into your routine, I think that's the only way to almost do it really, is it? Make it that you absolutely go and that's what you do and then it becomes part of the norm. So I try, I try. I can't say I go five out of seven days, but I'm close. <laughs> Yeah, but we all, we all do our own. We all do our own things, don't we? And you know, sometimes, um, you know, just just going for a walk is is absolutely is to, you know. And yeah, I definitely don't think everyone should try and uh, <laughs> head to the gym and throw weights around. You've got to find the thing that that keeps you sane. Um, yeah. That's just what keeps you sane. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, keeps you sane, keeps you fit, doesn't break you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
Oh, no, that's been absolutely fascinating speaking to you. Um, I feel like I want to get you to review all our copy. So you've totally inspired <laughs> me. Um, it's been a pleasure to meet you. And I think, well, good on you for having the courage and determination to um, make that change and go for your passion. And it sounds like your business is going really well. And congratulations. And thank you for joining me. Thanks, Jane. Yeah, I've had a lot of fun and time has flown by. And uh, yeah, I'm happy to... Uh, always chat anything messaging have a look at coffee so we'll have to talk about that <laughs> absolutely yeah that'll be our next call <laughs> thank you very much thanks